We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Rotowire Daily Fantasy Sports Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel, who'd like to remind you to be sports rich. I'm Jake Letarski, joined today by John McKechnie. If you're out there on Twitter, you can give John a follow at Johnny McKex. If you're out there on Twitter, give me a follow at Jakeski52. We always appreciate that, as do we appreciate ratings and reviews of the podcast. If you happen to be listening on iTunes or Stitcher, that's really uh, that's really helpful. That you, thing you can do for us just takes a second to click five stars. Also, leave us any feedback while you're at it. We're always looking for ways we can improve here. John, to get things going here, we'll do a quick look back at week one. And what I want to know is, how many Spencer Ware shares were you uh, were you the proud owner of? I had the majority of my lineups definitely had Ware in them, just because of you know the the price, uh, and then coupled coupled that with with the role that he was going to have, and you know everyone kind of knew that you know it, he'd be kind of the lead dog over a guy like Sharkandrick West or something like that. So I mean, it it ended up being a chalky play, the same way that that Dak Prescott. Uh, ended up being one just because of the price, but unlike Dak Prescott, Spencer Ware won us all some money this weekend. You know, like he was, mm-hmm. I mean, he was one of the better uh, running backs on the board. Uh, he was really efficient with what he was able to do. Uh, I mean, that was a crazy yeah. game by the Chiefs to be able to come back from that. I mean, I'm I'm pumped about yeah. Spencer Ware right exactly. now. Exactly. I mean, unless you were the rare rare owner of a, of a Demarco Murray D'Angelo Williams combo, I mean. Spencer Ware was all over the place. He was fifty four hundred last week, and at that price against that the matchup, it was it for me. You could put any old any old body, any old professional athlete, I guess, mm-hmm. in Spencer Ware's spot against the Chargers and expect big things. He really came on in the second half there. However, price increase. He was fifty four hundred week one, all the way up to sixty eight hundred week two. He's going to be going against the Houston Texans defense that 
is going to cause a lot more problems in that Chargers front seven. And uh, we still are not sure about that, but we might see some Jamal Charles back. It is a little bit early to tell. One of those reasons why you got to keep an eye on the injury report. Stay tuned to rotowire.com. We're going to have you covered every single day. Right now, as it stands, Andy Reid, not sure if Charles will suit up. So Spencer Ware could be very viable for season-long leagues, but I'm going to fade him a little bit in those daily lineups with given the matchup this week that's fair I mean uh you know Jeremy Langford definitely you know he's a talented back in his own right for the Bears and he had trouble you know getting the ball moving Mm -hmm. against the Texans this past weekend so I I see where you're coming from and I think you know there's there's a tendency for people to overreact to things and uh you know they see that Spencer Ware did really well and they they chase those Mm -hmm. points you want to get a piece of that you know see and if you're chasing points for a guy like I don't know Devontae Freeman last year it brought you some success I was guilty of chasing points but I still snuck in a few 30-point FanDuel performances while he was still under 7,000. Of course, that's no longer an option here. Just be careful, a word of caution with uh, Spencer Ware this week. I mean, I had him in every single lineup week one. I didn't even worry about fading him or doing something different. I know a lot of people, when the Chris Ivory announcement came in, they uh, switched over to TJ Eldon against the Packers, who have a reputation for being a relatively porous run defense. They've got solid defensive backs, but a few younger players and a few question marks in the front seven there, a couple of rookies, uh, especially in in guys like Kenny Clark and Blake Martinez here. Mm -hmm. But uh, So a lot of people, because Ware and Yeldon were the same price week one, a lot of people would shift maybe 10 to 20 percent of their lineups over to Yeldon I didn't fall yeah (laughs) I mean hey at least he got a touchdown so it wasn't a total dud but I mean where was the one player I owned across the board week one but I can tell you I won't own him across the board week two right good yeah it's a good way of going about it you gotta diversify a little bit this time around yeah exactly well let's go ahead and look at our show I mean our topic today is going to be week two running back so we're going to run down the top tiers we're going to throw out some cash game plays for you we're going to throw out some GPP plays for you here uh but let's look ahead and look at um look let's take a look at the Thursday night game just kind of on its own because really uh this is a decision you're gonna have to make if you do want to play in some of those early action and get Thursday night games however the Thursday night game Buffalo and uh, New York, uh, Bills and the Jets here is the over-under. I mean, Vegas has this game right now. It's a pick in terms of who's going to win. I mean, who the heck knows how this is going to show up, this game being played in Buffalo. Over-under, just 40 and a half. Now, Thursday games, I don't know how many studies have been done to prove this, but Thursday games, the inclination is that the scoring is a little bit lower. So if anything, that might help running backs a little bit. Maybe, I don't know, but when the game's only projected to be, uh, I mean, like a 22 to 19 game, uh, there's not a lot of room for profit here, but let's let's go ahead and look. I mean, do you have any interest in Matt Forte or LaShawn McCoy? Both of these guys seeming like they're the workhorse backs for their respective teams. Well, you know, you got to like the, the fact that uh, McCoy, he ran pretty well uh, in limited action against the Ravens on, on Sunday. I thought, you know, like occasionally, you know, he'd be a little bit bottled up in the backfield. He was still kind of able to weigh, to uh, wiggle his way for positive yardage. And, you know, you factor in the fact that, uh, Sammy Watkins, his foot is killing him right now. He's going to mm-hmm. play this week, but you know he's not going to be at 100%. So I think Buffalo's going to lean on the run game even more this week. But at the same time, do you really want to uh, get in on this contest just to have a running back going against the Jets? Because I don't. Yeah, exactly. I'm right there in, in the same boat here. And, and I'm not sure even for sure yet Sammy Watkins will play this week because he was a non-participant in today's practice. Uh, he did dress for the team's walkthrough. Of course, didn't have to do any contact there. And uh, I mean, it's a short turnaround and he's going to play through a lot of pain. You think the NFL doesn't have a problem really hiking up their players with painkillers by any means. <laughs> but, uh, but, but that being said, I mean, 
this is a foot injury that does tend to have some complications. He does have a screw in his foot, yep. and I mean it's not uncommon to see things uh, be complicated there. I mean, I, I would be hesitant to play with a uh, screw in my foot giving me problems either. Just the thought of having that thing nudging around in there uh, makes me cringe a little bit. Sorry, listeners, because I just saw John cringe here, and uh, <laughs> he did not look comfortable with that. So anyway, I'm worried. I have one share of uh, Deshaun McCoy, but I'm a little bit worried about his production the rest of the season because without Watkins, there is nobody else on that offense that can beat you on your own. So why not stuff the box with eight, even nine guys every so single become, time? And they're going to become the Rams. Yep, yep. They become the, the Rams of upstate New York. Yeah, exactly. You I mean, don't want no part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course, Tyrod, or, or, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Todd Gurley, pretty much uh, stuffed because they, Case Keenum couldn't do anything on offense there on it was, Monday night. It was uh, about as tough of a game to watch as, as you're going to find uh, in any year, really. I mean, people. it was drawing comps to the Josh Freeman Vikings start. That, that yeah. was like the one game that people could think of that was – quantifiably worse than, yes. than what we saw last night somehow being a football junkie that's been without my addiction for so long i did manage to watch that game from front to back but that was a lot of random tinkering on the computer and uh kind of ha- dozing in and out of, out of a nap there because it was, it was getting to be almost 1 a.m central time here in the midwest by the time that was wrapping right. up here all right but let's go ahead and shift focus here we're going to start with the top tier of running backs on FanDuel slate here for week two now david johnson leads the way 9,000 against tampa bay it was pretty Pretty impressive against New England. Had just that one very stellar run. Not worried at all about David Johnson. He's going to be one of your consistent backs. Then we've got Todd Gurley, 8,400. He was down in week one, and he has a really tough matchup here week two against the Seahawks. And then uh, for $200 less, we go Adrian Peterson, 8,200 versus Green Bay. I mean, are any of these guys worth paying up for, John? In my opinion, probably not. Uh, David Johnson would be the closest one, but you got, I mean, 9,000, you know, that, that makes you really kind of have to have to question mm-hmm. uh, how you're going to parse that out versus going to get a top-tier receiver that's mm-hmm. going against a questionable secondary. Because you're so of, dependent on him if you pay 9,000. Oh, it's, it's, I mean, that's a huge part of your salary. And, I mean, all these matchups are pretty tough. I mean, Tampa Bay, I think that defense has improved. And, they, I mean, they really slowed down the Atlanta uh, rushing attack in a big way on, on Sunday. I mean, obviously, Johnson is a bit of a different story than a Devontae Freeman-Tevin uh, Coleman combo, but it's still something to at least consider. Uh, Gurley, obviously, going against Seattle, uh, we know what we saw from the Rams. Uh, I I would be highly surprised if he got more than 50 or 60 yards, and mm-hmm. you know I could see it being like he gets the majority of those yards on one run, and the rest of the time he's getting like two yards a carry just because the Rams don't get any push. And then uh, AP, uh, I guess he does usually do all right against Green Bay. I think you would know a little bit better than me, but uh, he was he wasn't overly impressive week one, but he I'm not worried about him uh, as much as I am about Gurley right now. Yeah, I mean, AP was bottled up. I believe he had less than 50 yards the first week of last year, but then he bounced back with back-to-back 100-yard games. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a pretty good chance he actually hits 100 yards against the Packers. The Packers did... Really, they took care of T.J. Eldon on Sunday. There was, there's no doubt about that. But obviously, Adrian Peterson, even at an advanced age, if you want to call it that, I believe 31, 32 here. I mean, he's a much better, much more physical back, much more experienced back, and and I think they're going to use him. They're going to give him the ball more steady. So I can see your case for Adrian Peterson. Uh, now, now, Liz tried to sell me on Todd Gurley during the XM show this morning here, and here was his reasoning. Everyone's going to look at Todd Gurley's Week One. Uh, status and and his production and his stat line and think oh that was terrible anyone that had to sit through and watch that whole game saw Todd Gurley get bottled up a lot get a lot of gang tackled I mean San Francisco defense did a good job containing him right there's no doubt about that so you see that 
And then you see the matchup against the Seahawks, one of the better front sevens in the league, probably a top five defense in the league, both in terms of fantasy and real life. So you see all these factors here, plus mix that with the price tag of 8400 Nobody's going to own him. That's true. That's the only case I could really come mm-hmm. up with for in terms of justifying yeah. Gurley because you know if it, it's a it's a as odd as it sounds it's like an ex, it's like a really expensive lottery ticket basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, yeah, with eighty four hundred, nobody's going to own him, so you stay away from him in your cash games here. But I think you can make a pretty good case for Todd Gurley in GPPs because I, I, I'm not down on him at all this season. I mean, he had a bad week one, sure. Is he going to bounce back? Oh, most definitely he's going yep. to bounce back. I mean, he didn't look like a first-round draft pick week one, but he will for most of the rest of the season. And you, you look at you look at your first-round draft picks in season-long leagues, they're matchup-proof. Essentially, you start them no matter what. Right. So Todd Gurley is a back that is skilled and certainly has the physical capability to go out there and uh, run for 150 yards and three touchdowns. It's unlikely that he does that against Seattle, sure. but you never really know. And if he does do that and you have him in your lineup, you are one of the point uh, 5% of lineups that, that is rostering Gurley at that price. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you're way ahead. Now, it all it all depends on how you construct the rest of your lineup, how, if you're able to find a couple value receivers in there. If you can find Week 2's Willie Sneed, I think that has something that would do very well for you, of course. But there is some GPP appeal to Todd Gurley just because I know he's a better back than he was week one. That's true. That that is an interesting case. I think that that's something where, you know, when I'm putting together several lineups this weekend, I'll I'll do a Gurley one in GPP. Yeah. I mean, it's just something that you got to throw out there. I'm trying to make a case for Gurley. Chances are in most of my lineups, I'm not going to have much of either of these guys. I mean, Johnson's tempting, but that price is hefty for me. Gurley could be my $1 GPP if I'm going to enter the squib or something on FanDuel. Like, that could be my girly play just to go ahead and see here. Uh, But more than likely, I'm going to look down to the second tier of running backs here for Week 2. We've got Zeke Elliott at 7,900 at Washington. I mean, Washington pretty porous uh, in terms of run defense. Gave up a lot of action, a lot of fantasy points, almost 30 in PPR formats to D'Angelo Williams here. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott bottled up in Week 1. We'll see what he can do Week 2. Then there's C.J. Anderson, 7,800 against the Colts, Lamar Miller, seventy seven hundred against the Chiefs. D'Angelo Williams again; his price got a little bit of a bump, I believe, a four hundred dollar bump. But he does get a better defense in uh, in the Cincinnati Bengals. Williams at seventy six hundred here, and then you got Demarco Murray, pretty solid two touchdown passes week one. He goes to Detroit here. Um, we'll, we'll we'll hit the second half of this tier uh, in a moment here. But who do you like out of that first that first group of guys? If there's anybody, I love me some C.J. Anderson. I think you know not not just from from what he did production wise last week, uh, but when you watch the game, he looked a little bit uh, thinner, so he was he was quicker looking and you know he was able to make moves and make guys miss in ways that he that we weren't really used to seeing him and he definitely had the lion's share of of the workload out of that backfield I think one of the big concerns for for you know trying to parse out uh, the Denver backfield was you know how much work is Booker going to get obviously Hillman's gone but you know uh, and then Booker goes ahead and fumbles his first touch and Mm -hmm. you know Anderson really just kind of seized control and Indianapolis's defense is just bad like at, at at every every single level and it's not like Trevor Simeon is is going to become 
like a Derek Carr where where they're throwing it a ton all of a sudden for a young quarterback. So, I mean, they're still going to be leaning on the run a good bit here. And I think Denver's going to have the lead. They're going to be running the ball a lot in the second half. Indianapolis is going to get tired. Mm -hmm. I really like C.J. Anderson in this matchup. Yeah, I could very much see C.J. Anderson ending up as one of my most owned players here. I'm going to pass over that first tier entirely, like I said, and go ahead and throw C.J. Anderson in there. He had 20 of the team's 29 carries. Of course, five of those were Trevor Simeon. Three of them were Devontae Booker, but I don't see Devontae Booker eating in too heavily after that fumble here. I mean, it's not like uh, Kubiak's like a like, like a Belichick or a Coughlin where you're done after your fumble. <laughs> right. But uh, at, at the same time, uh, I think, you know, they, they might ease in a little bit more. It's C.J. Anderson's backfield. And yep. there's, there's little to no question about that. And the matchup, the matchup's just so juicy, John. I mean, you look at what the uh, Colts were able to do against the Detroit pass rushing backs, okay? So uh, Amir Abdullah, 12 carries, averaged 5.3 a carry. Theo Riddick, uh, 7 carries, averaged 6.4 a carry. That was a little uncharacteristically high. But they're susceptible on the ground. I mean, and Detroit was t- attacking the outside. The Colts yeah, those do guys not... are slashers. Exactly. Know? They don't have their best player in Vontae Davis, who's a pretty good tackle and defensive back yep. here. Vontae Davis out for about the first month of the season. So they're going to attack the outside. I think Denver is going to do that too. But more importantly, you look at the Detroit backfield in terms of pass catching. Theo Riddick caught all five of his targets for 65 yards and a touchdown. Amir Abdullah caught all five of his targets for 57 yards and a touchdown. C.J. Anderson generally thought of as a pass-catching back. I mean, we're going to get to this. Uh, I'll, I'll reiterate this at the end of the show, but I think C.J. Anderson's as chalk as it gets here uh, for week two. Um, and, I mean, you can maybe make a case for for DeMarco Murray, something like that, at 7,400. Uh, I mean, because... The, that the Detroit defense was was they gave up a lot of points as well oh, yeah. on that, but it just necessarily wasn't to uh, your Frank Gore's or your Josh Ferguson's or anything like it's that. It's because it's Frank Gore and Josh Ferguson. Like they, I think this week will, will tell us a lot, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think that Detroit necessarily. I mean, Detroit's run defense isn't as bad as Indianapolis's, and it won't be. Uh, I think they have a relatively strong line and uh, front and um, linebacking core, but. Like you said, you know, like I think this is still a situation where Murray can take advantage, and he was using the pass game uh, to to an encouraging extent. So I mean, if he can if he can get those linebackers chasing, you know, I think this this sets up pretty well for him as well. Mm-hmm. What about a bounce back game for Devonte Freeman? Now, Oakland, I'm starting to freak out, man. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm starting to worry. I only own one share. Okay, so I, I I've got like eight. I did eight drafts or something along those lines this year. And draft number eight, it was our 16 team office one that was like a couple days before the start of the season. Mm-hmm. My last draft. I always do some really wacky things. I had the 15th pick of 16. I took Devontae Freeman and Eddie Lacy with those two picks. I went running back, running back, just to see how it would work out. In case I was completely full of it on all my other seven leagues and the guys that I like are complete duds, I went a complete side turn opposite direction with that league and went with backs. I'm going to tell you I'm a little bit nervous, but... At the same time, we're looking at this DFS purposes. Devontae Freeman gets a price break down to 7,400, and he gets a Raiders team that... Really, they kept Mark Ingram in check, but I think Mark Ingram's a much different back than Devontae Freeman, and I think this game is going to be one of the higher over-unders on on the slate here. I'm going to see if that's out. That over-under is 53, so that is the highest over-under on the slate. Uh, nobody else is approaching that there. Uh, of course, there's a couple of them that aren't quite published yet, but but for now, that game's the highest over-under, and I think Freeman's a decent chance to get a to get a piece of that. I mean, if you if you wanted to use, um, let's say, C.J. Anderson and Devontae Freeman in cash games, that wouldn't cripple your lineup, and that'd be like a, a pretty good start, I would say. Right. What I'm just trying to figure out, uh, I'm, I'm looking at the numbers here. Um, Freeman had 15 of the touches out of the Atlanta backfield on, on Sunday, uh, averaged less than two yards a carry. 
Tevin Coleman had 13 of, of the touches, so uh, 46%. So it was a 54-46 split. Uh, but Coleman couldn't do anything on the ground either. You know, it, all of his production kind of came through the air on that on that long uh, reception. So I'm trying to figure out, I mean, that that has to be an aberration too, at least to a certain extent. I mean, you, you, we're not going to see a guy like Freeman, a guy that was really blowing up uh, last year, just be held to less than two yards of carry again like that that simply just won't happen especially not against Oakland even though Oakland does have an improved defense to an extent uh and and you know I think Atlanta has a pretty balanced offense certainly more so than what Oakland had to face uh against New Orleans last week so I I do sense a bounce back game from Freeman uh but I do think that Coleman uh, can also probably get his uh, yards per carry up as well. Uh, if we see that split again, then I'm going to start to be more concerned about Freeman in a mm-hmm. season long because, you know, if, when you're drafting Freeman in the top 20 picks, you want him to be getting like over 60% of the touches out of the yeah, backfield. Absolutely. And you can't forget that Tevin Coleman was the starter last season before he was injured and, offend- and effectively lost his job to injury because Freeman came out there and, and put on some big games and eventually became the top scoring player in all of fantasy last year. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't really take him on after that point. The last thing I want to say about that game, though, I think the Tampa Bay front seven is a little bit underrated. They've got big guys like Gerald McCoy and Clinton McDonald clogging things up in the middle. And then uh, Levante David, I know he checks in really highly on our IDP rankings, a solid linebacker to kind of anchor that core. Quan, yeah, and, and can't forget about Quan either. So uh, huge IDP day for me in the stake league. Yeah, 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 big time there. So I mean, this Tampa Bay defense is. Uh, I mean, the pass defense. Yeah, there's still uh, a little bit of question marks. I mean, they sure things up a little bit by getting uh, Brent Grimes, and then they've got Altron Werner on the other side. But the run defense is, is going to be improved, I think. And you know, I'm not ready to to pass too much judgment onto the Atlanta backfield there after week one here. Let's just uh, quick wrap up the first half here with uh, our, our 7,700. Doug Martin, 7,100 at Arizona. Er, fade, that's number one for me. Arian Foster, 7,100 at New England. And maybe, I mean, he's no David Johnson. I could see it. Probably not on FanDuel. Uh, you got Latavius Murray. He is $7,100 here. He is going up against Atlanta. So that could be a potentially intriguing matchup. And then, of course, Mark Ingram at the Giants. They seem like they're having a pretty good uh, rejuvenated defense, at least. Ingram checks in at 7000 Eddie Lacy at Minnesota against a very tough run defense, 7000 Anybody jump out from that group? Frankly, no. If if I don't get somebody from from those uh, first few guys that we mentioned there, mm-hmm. uh, I'm probably gonna just sort of go, go towards the bargain bin. Uh, yeah. I don't I don't think that any of those particular matchups or the particular running back himself does quite enough for me to where I, I'm gonna just kind of go for this expensive but not real high upside type of back like a like an Arian Foster in mm-hmm. New England or Latavius Murray against. Uh, the Falcons. I mean, I guess that one's okay, but well, I mean, the, the Packer fan in me wants me to think that Eddie Lacy has a potential to have a pretty big game. He did look better in the first game. Didn't find the end zone, which hurt his fantasy line. Also, wasn't catching a whole lot of passes out of the backfield, which is a little bit uncharacteristic. At seven thousand, I think there's a chance Lacy hit, hits value, but it's not going to be in my my core most important lineups here. So uh, maybe some, some consideration, but definitely looking towards the top end of this tier. Starting with Anderson as my foundation, and probably looking 
looking at some of these GPP options that we're going to discuss here in the next half. Well, fantasy football fans, the wait is nearly over. Football is back, which means FanDuel is back. And this year, it's better than ever. It's not just the new season at FanDuel. It's a new era. They've upgraded your entire experience with real improvements for everyday fans. And they believe you deserve everything sports has to offer, which makes you sports rich. Try the new FanDuel now. Just pick your team, stay under the salary cap, and have all the fun that fantasy has to offer. New to the game? Play in a beginner contest to learn the ropes. If you have just $1, there are games for a buck. There's 50-50 contests where the top half wins cash, or you can settle the score with a friend in FanDuel's brand new friends mode. It's season-long fantasy football with weekly teams, plus new features ensure a fair and level playing field for all. Have all the fun that football has to offer. Have all the fantasy football has to offer. FanDuel, be sports rich. All right, John, we're going to examine what we're going to call Tier 3 of the running backs on FanDuel here for the Week 2 slate of games. Kicking things off with Spencer Ware. He's 6,800. We already had quite a discussion on him. We'll kind of move on here. Amir Abdullah checks in next at 6,700. Uh, the top performing back, really, for, for Detroit here, but uh, looking more and more like he may have to share with Theo Riddick. Jamal Charles, he's a big question mark for the game. 6,700. I'm going to say fade for now. And then the 6,700, uh, you've also got both Jonathan Stewart and Melvin Gordon at 6,700 there. Uh, moving down the list, Justin Forsett, 6,600. Thomas Rawls, who split with Christine Michael, he's 6,600. Uh, Jeremy Langford, 6,500. TJ Yeldon, 6,500. Danny Woodhead, 6,400. Ryan Matthews, 6,300 at Chicago. Rashad Jennings, 6,300 versus New Orleans here. Uh, I know you mentioned that we were kind of fading the top tier. We're skipping over so much of that bottom half of the second tier here. Anybody here that stands out for you? I think that that you know, kind of under the radar is is Jonathan Stewart here at sixty seven hundred. I think people are going to look at at how San Francisco was able to handle Todd Gurley last night, and you know, sort of like how we talked about uh, earlier in the show, like overreact to it and and lean on it a little bit too much. I'm not honestly super scared of San Francisco's defense on its face. I just think that they came in with a strong game plan and they knew that the Rams weren't going to be able to do anything other than hand the ball off. Uh, But in this case, they're going to have to deal with Cam. They're going to have to deal with a balanced offense that uh, looked better through the air uh, against, you know, obviously a Denver defense that's arguably the best in the league. Uh, Cam was able to to have some pretty good success through the air last week. So I think uh, San Francisco is going to not have the luxury of being able to load the box. And I think Stewart kind of like he's a guy that's not going to be highly owned because he's not – overly flashy but I think this is a week where we could see him reach the end zone we could see him get upwards of 80 90 yards uh, uh you know on a, getting most of the carries out of the Carolina backfield and I think mm-hmm. you know Carolina's probably not going to want to run Cam a ton especially after the beating that he took mm-hmm. in, in, on a opening night so I think Stewart kind of is like an intriguing like oh I almost forgot about him type of play your, your last point almost convinced me there, but I'm going to kind of go ahead and disagree here. I'm not quite sure I'm high on Jonathan Stewart regardless of matchup. The performance of the San Francisco defense doesn't really help his case, but Jonathan Stewart's a player that Carolina has expressed interest in conserving for the long haul a little bit this year, and his goal line carries are getting vultured by the likes of Cam Newton and um, and, and even Mike Tolbert. Tolbert. 
Yeah, so there's always that risk there. So, I mean, he's going to have to get in from 10 to 15 out if he's going to get that touchdown. That being said, I could see him being somewhat forgotten, being a GPP play for, for that reason. But if I'm going to spend 6700 I'm probably actually going to go down the list and, and, and look at other GPP plays. Uh, like, uh, for example, Justin Forsett. Now, I know um, he's got Thomas, or I'm sorry, Terrence West to deal with, and that's a little bit concerning there in that case. But, uh, you know, that he all... He was more be- effective per carry than, than West was, but- by a pretty fair margin last week, I yeah, thought. exactly. He somehow got two less carries than West, but he averaged 4.1 per carry. West only averaging 2.7 per carry. Also, Forsett more active in the passing game. Targeted three times, caught three passes. West targeted twice, caught two passes for just six yards. Now, this Cleveland run defense here, we talked about it earlier. I mean, it's, it's going to be, I mean, the Colts are always a defense to target. The Chargers will always be a defense to target. I think Cleveland goes in that same boat here. And I also think that the Ravens are going to be able to get ahead of Cleveland. I mean, I, I like Josh McCown maybe a little bit as a, a, a one-week desperation flex option in a super flex league or something like that. But I still think Baltimore should win this game handily. I don't, I don't really feel I hope f- so, but I don't know, man. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I just don't. I, it is a road game, I, and I know you're you're a Ravens guy here. And uh, McCown's but, given us fits in the past, but then again, I mean, he hasn't mm-hmm. been working with the starters until yeah. this week. But you've got you've got Flacco back, and you've got Flacco with some reasonable weapons back. You know, Steve Smith played a role in Week One. Mike Wallace could very well have a late career. Reg- rejuvenation so I think even though Baltimore is the road team in this one I think Baltimore finds a way to get get ahead and are going to be run heavy in the second half and Cleveland again being a run defense to target I do like Justin Forsett at 6600 only in GPPs just because there is the Terrence West factor there could be another even split but if Forsett continues to perform well I think they roll with him and he keeps going so Forsett's someone that I'm going to look for in GPPs another guy I might look at in a GPP is TJ Yeldon actually now I know I dogged him a lot earlier he didn't have the greatest game against the Packers but again Looks like Chris Ivory hasn't even been released from the hospital yet. Right. So it's looking like TJ Yeldon's going to be an option now. Yeldon's price increased $1,100 from week one. I don't like that one bit, but what I do like is the matchup he's got with San Diego and uh, what they were able to do. I mean, you saw what Spencer Ware did to the Chargers here. Of course, they were in shambles after the Keenan Allen thing, but the Keenan Allen thing didn't affect the opposing team's run game at all. Sure. So, uh, I mean, you, you saw what the Chargers are, are, are capable of allowing to opposing backs. So even TJ Yeldon, I don't like him. I don't have any season long. I don't plan on trying to trade for him in any season long. If anything, I'm picking up Ivory on the waiver wire this week and waiting until he's back because he's the guy that Jacksonville spent the money on, and he's the guy who's going to really take over a, a big portion of that backfield here. So Yeldon, as a one-week, week two, I'm, I might poke him in there and, and see what happens. I mean, this would... This would be the only time that I would consider using Yeldon. I'm extremely unimpressed with his ability to make people miss. I'm extremely unimpressed with his, his like short area burst, uh, being able to just kind of get beyond the line of scrimmage and make anything out of any sort of run. So, uh, you know, if he's going to do it, I guess it is this week. And, uh, you know, you hope that people aren't too, too uh, – Oh, like overzealous about about the fact that he was able to punch one in last week so maybe his ownership would be higher than you would like it but I don't mm-hmm. necessarily see that happening so I could definitely see where uh, he's uh, in play for a GPP consideration exactly all right so before we throw out final GPP options here uh, we're gonna f- we're, as we start to sh- kind of wrap the show up you got a chalk play of the day John I mean, I guess it would just sort of have to be David Johnson uh, for for now. Just his versatility, both as a pass catcher and as you know, one of the strongest looking runners. 
in the in the entirety of the NFL. Uh, I think you got to like his chances. Even though Tampa Bay really showed up last week, I really like David Johnson's uh, chances. If I'm especially if I'm paying up for the for like these really really expensive uh, running backs, uh, I'm gonna I probably would lean uh, the Johnson route. Yeah, see, I can't knock anyone going against Johnson, but nine thousand for a running back back on FanDuel to me just cripples my lineup a little bit too much. So. C.J. Anderson, last week my guy was Spencer Ware. This week it's C.J. Anderson. He's going to be the foundation of all my lineups, whether or not I come out profitable at all in week two is going to be hinge heavily on C.J. Anderson's performance. The only thing I'm afraid about is I might not be able to take advantage of any type of low ownership because it is very chalk, and, and I like C.J. Anderson. So, uh, But that's the guy that's going to go in for me. I might work a David Johnson lineup in there because I think he is capable of having a big game against Tampa Bay, but really David Johnson capable of having a big game against anyone. He's going to be 9095 the entire year and I'm going to probably try to save him for some of those out of division matchups against weaker run defenses here Smart. finally anyone else you want to throw into the GPP mix John uh, I like the way that Theo Riddick uh, got got in the mix in the offense I thought that was really encouraging uh, Charles Sims like him all right but you know uh, that that matchup is pretty tough um, I I kind of like Jeremy Langford as another uh just sort of, oh, I forgot about that guy option because uh, looking at it, he got 95% of the Bears' touches out of the backfield, and he gets an easier matchup this week going against the Eagles uh, than he did going against a, a Texans front that even though J.J. Watt uh, wasn't 100%, uh, guys like Whitney Merciless and um, and Jadavion Clowney looked like the studs that they're supposed to be. Exactly. So, I mean, that that was a pretty scary-looking uh defense from from Houston that's only going to get better so I think Langford I mean roll alone there it kind of makes you at least have to consider him as a as a tournament flyer in my opinion mm-hmm. it's I've, just 6,500 exactly I've got two more tourney flyers to throw in there one of them's Christine Michael who checks in at 5,900 he was a much better back than Thomas Rawls more carries and a much better yards per carry average here now granted he does have the Rams thought to be a very stout run defense but watch, Aaron, Aaron Donald almost went full-blown Kyle Turley in that game last <laughs> night. And if they if he gets suspended by the league, that's a huge hit to their run-stopping oh, defense geez, here. Yeah. And their run defense didn't necessarily look great against Carlos Hyde. I mean, nope. Carlos Hyde, you can almost put him in Eddie Royal territory as a week one superstar, especially after last year's performance against Minnesota. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, two touchdowns in back-to-back week ones now. But the, but the Rams' run defense, uh, I think they can be exploited, especially if they don't have Donald. It's a story to watch over the week. So you could get some potential out of Christine Michael. But the more and more I think about it here, I've got one other back that I'm going to try to pair up with C.J. Anderson in at least a few of my lineups, and that is, uh, surprise, surprise, Rashad Jennings here. He seemed to have a pretty good control on the uh, New York backfield workload, uh, carried the ball 18 times as opposed to Shane Vereen's six. Eli Manning's not going anywhere with the football, no carries there, nothing to worry about. And they have the Saints. It's the highest over-under game of the of the week, and and I got the lowdown from Chris List when I was doing XM earlier. He's a big Giants fan, and he kept saying that this game has Odell Beckham written all over it. He should have a huge game. Both him, Shepard, Cruz, Eli should be heavily used because it is the Saints. But then he also made the point that he doesn't think Ben McAdoo is the brightest guy, and because it's Ben McAdoo, he thinks that he's going to try to establish the run. And the Saints can, are a team that can have the run established all over them. Is he projecting his Giants pessimism to the public? Yeah, he might be projecting the Giants' pessimism to the public, but I do very well see a point. I think people are going to be maybe away from Rashad Jennings, who Rashad Jennings didn't turn a lot of heads. I mean, he averaged 4.2 yards a carry. If he gets 18 to 22 carries against the Saints' defense and can find the end zone once, I like him. Maybe not even just for GPPs. I think he has a pretty stable floor for your cash games. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good point, and uh, I think 
just people are gonna are gonna harken back to to last year's like insane shootout between these two teams and and really load up on, on OBJ. So maybe uh, maybe it'd be a sneaky uh, way of going about it, getting a share of that high scoring game to to go the the Jennings route. I actually really like that play. Yeah. So, so one other player to consider, I think we've ran through and given all of our listeners plenty of options here. So best of luck to everybody in week one, before, or I'm sorry, in week two, geez, uh, before we sign off, we have a special offer for brand new FanDuel users, get a free six month subscription to Rotowire with just a $10 deposit on FanDuel, go to FanDuel.com slash RW. Not only will you get the free subscription, but you'll have that $10 available to play with on FanDuel, which can take you a long way if you execute some careful bankroll management. So that'll be over $40 in value, including the subscription for just 10 bucks again that's fanduel.com slash rw if you're already a fanduel user and want to check out the website uh, on your own rotowire is a great resource keep you posted all week get your lineups your game day inactives and uh, plenty of articles a lineup optimizer all you really need to set those fanduel lineups you can check out the website free for 10 days no credit card no strings attached by going to rotowire.com slash pod that's rotowire.com slash pod for a free 10-day trial to get you through week two and beyond. Once again, I'm Jake Latarski. You can find me on Twitter at jakeski52. And I'm John McKechnie. You can find me on Twitter at Johnny McKex. The Rotowire Daily Fantasy Sports Podcast will return on Wednesday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.